John 20, 19 through 29. Jesus appears to his disciples on the evening of the first day of the week when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders. Jesus came and stood among them and said, Please be with you. Peace be with you. After he said this, he showed them his hands and said, The disciples were overjoyed when they saw the Lord. Again, Jesus said, Peace be with you. You as the Father has sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone's sins, their sins are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Jesus, Jesus appears to Thomas. Now, Thomas, also known as Didymus, one of the twelve, was not with the disciples when Jesus came. So the other disciple told them, We have seen the Lord, but he said to them, Unless I see the nails marked, in his hands and put my fingers where the nails were and put my hand into the side I will not believe. A week later his disciples were in the house again and Thomas was was with them. Though the doors were locked Jesus came and stood among them and said peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas put your fingers here see my hands Reach out your hands and put them inside my side. Stop doubting and believe. Thomas said to him, My Lord and my God. Then Jesus told him, Because of you have seen me, you have believed. Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Joyce. So we just celebrated Easter. A week ago, just about a week ago, how many of us watched our children on Easter morning during the egg hunt? It was so cool. They're hunting for eggs. They're searching everywhere. They're searching high and low in trees and plants and flowers and bushes. They search diligently for that egg. Then they spend just as much energy looking for the next one. They are careful not to miss a one. They count them. Okay, we, you said we have 20 eggs, Mom. I found 18. i got to go find the other two because they're so excited. And my heart just dances when I hear the giggles and screams of delight when they find that hidden egg. Their joy and excitement is contagious. They are overcome with joy, and they want to share with you their happiness. Oh, to be a child again, to have that kind of excitement, to have that kind of joy. Don't you still wish you had that kind of childlike quality? Remember as a child when you found a shiny penny, you'd feel like you found a treasure. You'd place it firmly in your pocket. You'd make sure to tuck it in, make sure you kept checking on your way home. I still got my penny. Yeah, I got my penny. I'm so excited. I get to go put it in the piggy bank. Do I still have my... I got my penny. It's shiny. See my shiny penny? I am so excited. And then you show it to your mom and dad or your grandparents, and you say, look what I found. I found a treasure. And they're so excited for you because your joy and your excitement 
fed into them. They were thrilled. And they said, oh, let's go put this in your piggy bank. We'll save it up for you. And then you look in your piggy bank and you've got all these shiny pennies and maybe some nickels and dimes. Oh, my. That is so exciting. That's a kid. That's the joy and the heart of a child. How do we act as adults? When you see that penny on the ground, do you just walk by it because you don't want to deal with it? It's too much energy to pick it up. I make my husband pick them up for me. (laughs) But we tend to hold it in. We don't get too excited. But the worst part is we often walk by. We don't even notice anything around us. Just kind of plod through life. How much of our adult life is focused on what our mature, responsible, good sense tells us? So we walk around with our adult glasses on. Eh, they're not really glasses. They're kind of like blinders, like a a horse wears, not a dog. A horse wears. You walk around looking here. You don't look around here. And if you see a nickel or a quarter or a dime, eh, it's just a nickel, a quarter, or a dime. Now, if you see a $5 bill, you're going to stop and pick it up. But that's our adult, mature, responsible behavior. We forget what it's like to be a child. We kind of become like Thomas. Unless I see the nail marks in his hands and put my finger where the nails were and put my hands in his sides, I will not believe. We live our life clouded. Doubt, complacency, they've settled in. They're quite comfortable in our adult bodies. We're even complacent to where God is. Sure, we know he walks with us and he talks with us. And doing that without singing it was really tough, guys. I practiced that all day. But he does. He walks with us and talks with us. But do we wake up looking for him beside us? Or are we just too busy? We're just hopping out of bed and walking along, hoping that he's going to be beside us. Hoping that he'll be there when we call on him. Sometimes we just leave him at home. We just have a major crisis, and then we'll call on him. But I'm just going to leave him over there on the shelf. I don't need him yet. So I'm just going to set him over there. Because it's easier. Then when the car in front of me slams on its brakes, I can flip him off because God's not watching me. Or I can honk at him. I can be my adult, mature, responsible self. So do you leave him at the door when you walk out the door and just call on him when you want? Or maybe you doubt it all that God is even present in our lives. Maybe you put him on the shelf, just pulling him out when you really need something, when you really want something. It's kind of like doubting Thomas. We can all become doubting Thomases. Given the right circumstances, we are doubting Thomases. We want physical proof of Jesus in our lives. Beloved, let me tell you, we have daily proof of God if we look for it. We call it, at Sawgrass, God sightings. God sightings is a term that you hear quite a bit now. It wasn't prevalent 
few years ago. But now you hear a lot of churches do it. And let me tell you, as I was researching for this, I heard a lot of pastors griping about it. Churches use it to remind us that God is all around us all the time. I personally see it as a reminder for us to see the hand of God in our lives. These uncalculated occurrences have led others to renew their faith, refresh their faith, refresh their relationship with God, and some have even brought people to Christ. How often in the Bible do we recognize where God manifested or where he spoke or where he directed others to see him? His mercy, his grace, his power are all prevalent in the Bible. It's all throughout the Bible. I'm going to give you a couple of verses. I'm not giving you all of them because we would be here till next week. So, Genesis 21-2. Sarah became pregnant. She gave birth to a son for Abraham in his old age. This happened at just the time God had said it would. Abraham was 100 years old, but God kept his word. That's a God sighting. Because human nature, we couldn't have done that on our own. It had to be God. Moses parted the Red Sea in Exodus 14, 21 through 22. Then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land. (coughs) The waters were divided. Excuse me. And the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That was a God sighting. That was God. Moses saw a burning bush, and it was not destroyed by the fire. Acts 7.30. After 40 years had passed, an angel appeared to Moses, God sighting, in the flames of a bush in the desert near Mount Sinai. The bush was intact. Now, I'm sorry. If I light a bush up at my house, sucker's gone. It's just gone. That's a God sighting. Jonah fled from God and was swallowed by a great fish, but survived. Jonah 1.17. Now the Lord had arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was inside the fish for three days and nights. From inside the fish, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates locked shut forever. But you, O Lord, my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. That wasn't just a God sighting for Jonah. Do you realize everybody that saw that, that was their God sighting. They were able to recognize that God had his hand on Jonah. Even though Jonah had been disobedient, and said, oh, I'm not doing that. Kind of like we all do. Mary was still a virgin. She was greeted by an angel in Luke 128. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you. She was a virgin. But yet she gave birth. Because that was a God sighting for everybody Daniel was thrown into the lion's den. Now, this one kind of really gets me. I don't think I'd be as strong as Daniel. He not only found, survived, but he found favor with the very king that threw him in there. Daniel six twenty one through 22 said, 
Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me because I was found innocent in his sight, nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. When King Darius saw this, he declared in Daniel 6, 26a, I issue a decree that every part of my kingdom people must fear and reverence the God of Daniel. How many people had that God sighting? Daniel went into the den, was supposed to be eaten by the lions, but he walked out. And then the other group that King Darius tossed in there, the minute they hit the den, the lions ate them up. That was not just a God sighting for Daniel or King Darius. That was a God sighting for everybody. How exciting is that? Do you get excited when you read these God sightings in the Bible? I know I do. One of my favorites, though, is Jesus turned water into wine. John 2, 7 through 9. Jesus said to the servants, fill the jar with water. So they filled to the brim. Then he told them, now draw some out, take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. That's kind of cool. They normally save the good wine for the few people, and they give the wine. But the king said, oh, this is the good wine. You brought out the good wine. So again... It was a God sighting. He found favor because the wine was the good wine, not the stuff you feed your neighbors. Or In the Garden of Eden, Genesis 2, 8 through 9, it says, Now the Lord God had planted a garden in the east, in Eden, and there he had put the man he had formed. The Lord God made all kinds of trees grow out of the ground, Trees that were pleasing to the eye and good for food. In the middle of the garden were the tree of life and the tree of knowledge of good and evil. What a God sighting that was. They saw and they still, like us, didn't do what they were directed to do. They were told, don't touch this. Yeah, okay, okay. Yeah, I got you, God. I got you. And then sure enough. But that's what we do. We put God first and foremost when we want something, when we need something. My purpose in pointing out all the miracles miracles in the Bible is to remind us that some miracles are just for an individual to experience God. Some miracles are for groups of people to experience God. And some are for multitudes of people. And some were written down so we could experience them because we weren't there at that time. It shows us that even when things look hopeless, like Daniel in the lion's den, we can see God's hand in the beauty of his actions around us. Paul made it extremely clear in Romans 1, 19 through 20. They know the truth about God because he had made it obvious to them. Now, all of those God sightings were obvious. All of them. 
For ever since the world was created, people have seen earth and sky. Though through everything God made, they can clearly see his invisible qualities, his eternal power, and his divine nature. So they have a no excuse for not knowing God. Wow. Wow. That's a slap in the face. says, wake up. You see everything. The earth, the sky. You see it every single day. All of creation is from God. Every beautiful thing. The laughter of the children hunting for eggs or playing, just playing in the yard. The flowers on the ground. The plants, the trees, and even the pennies that we find on the ground. Those are from God. Maybe those are reminders to us. Because if you look on that penny, what does it say? Exactly. In God we trust. And we just walk by it like it's nothing. We just put God away until we need him. Because that's easy to do. We become doubting Thomases. I don't need you right now, God. I'll catch you later. I got a lot of stuff to do. I'll get you later. I'll, I'll talk to you later. How often do we do that? I do it. I'm sure every one of you does it. It's not a great place to be. But if we're being honest, we do it. I don't have time right now, God. Don't you understand? I have to prepare a sermon. I'm working on this. I'm working on that. I'm getting my schoolwork done. I will talk to you later. Well, he has kept me in bed for three days. I had no choice but to talk to him and say, okay, God, I'm really feeling lousy. Every time I preach, I get sick. Is that his way of slowing me down? To say, Deb, focus on me, not on what you want to preach. I have to tell you, a couple times this week, my computer crashed, the blue screen of death. I lost the message I had written, and I had written it a couple weeks ago because this has been on my heart. It's gone, just totally gone. So then I rewrote it, and I put in it the way I wanted it to go. And God said, yeah, that one's gone too, Deb. So I woke up, and I said, okay, I'm going to do it God's way. But I didn't call on him first. When I was studying, I called on him. God, help me, direct me, show me where you want me to go with the message, show me what you want them to hear, step myself away, and let it be you. But then I wrote it. And God said, yeah, that's not me. That's you, Deb, get rid of it. But I put him on a shelf until I needed him. So the former examples were ways that God shows himself to us. But not all God sightings are the huge miracles that we listed before. A lot of them are just small. They'd go unnoticed if we weren't paying attention. The birth of a baby, that's a God sighting. That's a small miracle. It's huge. But it's a small miracle because we ignore it. The butterfly that just flitted past you and reminds you of your brothers that love you. 
in the middle of this terrible thunderstorm, you see the rainbow in the distance. He woke up breathing. That's a God sighting. The red light that slowed you down or the traffic that stopped you on the turnpike was? Yeah, the turnpike. Kept you from getting in that accident. Kept you from being the rollover car in the middle of the fire. The thunderstorm that snuffed out your electricity and had you sitting in the dark. It just watered all your plants. You got out of bed and went to your work or went about your day. That's a God sighting. The Facebook message that says, I'm praying for you. And you didn't even ask. Or the radio plays the perfect song at just the right time. I was witness to what I call a huge miracle was definitely a God sighting. Our daughter, Patty, and I were shopping at Aldi's the beginning of the week. We were listening to about the 15 or so people in line grumbling about how long it's taking to get checked out. Now, mind you, there were only two cashiers on. We were two or three people in behind the woman up at the thing, at the register, And she had a basket, I mean a huge basket full of groceries. People were griping. She's holding up our line. She's fumbling in her purse. What is she doing? They were not pleasant. She was getting more and more upset. She went out to her car. She came back in hysterically sobbing. She declared that somebody must have stolen her wallet. Now, some of the people behind us and around us, we're going, yeah, right. She probably just didn't even have the money. She's probably just trying to get something for nothing. She's probably lying. She made it all up just to get over on someone. Well, the cashier proceeded to do what cashiers do. He suspended her transaction, put her stuff aside, and called on the next person. And he called the manager so he could take care of the, the woman. This woman was older. i can pretty sure she was income limited. She was visibly scared. She didn't know what to do. She was uncontrollably sobbing, shaking, holding her phone because she didn't know who to call. She was like, I don't know what to do. So I went over to try to calm her and give her some direction and to pray with her. Then the cashier announced loudly, you might want to turn this down, Jay. Someone just paid for her groceries, $120. Oh, my gosh, somebody paid for her groceries. Nobody could believe it. Woman, two people behind us said, now that's God in action. I got God bumps on that one. I was like, yes, that's awesome. All of a sudden, you saw the whole tone of the store change. Instead of people griping and grumbling People were like, wow, that's incredible. That is so wonderful. I can't believe somebody would do that. And Bernadette, that's the name of the lady. So if you could pray for her, I would appreciate it. But she was comforted. All of a sudden, you could just see this comfort come over her. 
Now, her blood pressure was still high. She was still sobbing uncontrollably and trying to figure out what to do next. But the whole store, even the cashier, who was less than cordial to begin with, all of a sudden was like, wow, look at this. There are really good people in this world. And the woman that was two people behind me said, that's a God sighting. That's God in action. And then people started going, yeah, look at that. There's angels here. There was an angel that took care of her. That was so cool. And our daughter said, wow, mom, that was really neat. Did you hear how it changed? So it was not just a God sighting for everybody in Aldi's. But let me tell you, I went back two days later, and I went to check on her, and I asked the manager, have you heard from Bernadette? How is she doing? She's just been on my heart. And the manager said, whoa, you know, I wasn't here for that. But you want to talk about it was a genuine love fest. Everybody was just caring for one another, taking care of each other, making sure everybody was all right. Well, it turns out they caught pictures, video, uh, because all these videos, just so you all know. But they put the, the pictures up of the girls that stole the money. Apparently they'd stolen from several people that day at Aldi's. But I asked the the day manager, who was not there, how things went. And she said, I heard about it. She said, it was so awesome. She said, then you know what? That afternoon, the manager with a kid on duty and get paid for it, said, I'm going to drive her car home. Let's get her groceries home. So they called fire rescue. They called the police, made sure she was okay to go home. Everything was good. They had put her groceries in the refrigerator, which they never do. But they took care of her. They took care of the needs. That, again, was God in action. All because God showed up that day. And we looked for him. He didn't just show up and us ignore him. We looked for him. And somebody else looked for him. Somebody else said, that's God in action. So the manager drove her car, drove her home, had his employee follow, and they put her groceries away. That's not something most managers would do. But he did because he saw God in action. What an incredible, to me, that was not a small God sighting. That was huge. And I can't believe that God allowed me to see it. I never shop at Aldi's. (laughs) Just saying, I never shop at Aldi's. There was. It's all God. Yeah. That was so cool. And our daughter recognized that it's a God sighting. Now, she believes in God. She loves God. She prays to God. She even, don't tell her I told you, Tom. She even reads her Bible. She just doesn't want Dad to know because she's an independent young woman. She just doesn't come to church. She's even listened to some of our messages, but you're not supposed to know that either. 
she's 32, you know, she's got her own life. (laughs) But that miracle, because that was a miracle at Aldi's, that miracle wasn't just for me to see. It wasn't just for Bernadette to be impacted. It impacted people for days. They're still talking about it. It changed the whole attitude, the whole demeanor of that Aldi's. So you're probably all wondering, why did we open with the doubting Thomas? Because I see it all the time. As a counselor, 90%, eh, 80% of the issues people have is because they come in doubting They doubt their spouse, they doubt their job, they doubt themselves, they doubt God. Because that's where our tendency is. We tend to doubt unless we can see. I want to put my fingers right in where the nails were. Because that's who we are. So we doubt that God is present when things go awry. I've heard people, Christians, question Where was God when? I got into a car accident and totaled my car. Well, God was there because you're still here. Or where was God when? I fell and broke my hand. God was there. He probably kept you from breaking something else. Or when your child is told that they can never dance again. As a parent, that's the hardest thing. When you hear your dreams of your child and you find out they just got dashed. But God was there comforting them and giving you strength to comfort them. Where was God when your friends said, I have stage three breast cancer? God was there too. Where were you, God, when my spouse said, I want a divorce? God was there. He gave you strength. Or where was God when the Bernadettes of this world get their whole world turned upside down and they don't know where to start? Let's face it, folks. We're a negative people. We only see the negative. Sometimes somebody will direct us back to see the beautiful things in the sad things, in the hard things. But we tend to doubt that God's in the small things or in the big things when they're not going our way. We walk through life with our blinders on. I tend to walk through life with rose-colored glasses. Many of you have said, I'm a Pollyanna, which, which I don't always find flattering, I'm just saying. But I think it's because of the field I work in because I have to help the people that see the negative to find the positive. So I'm always looking for the positive. As I was studying, there were several books that have been on best-selling Christian lists that deal with this very issue. Where is God when the bad things happen? These books have been written by renowned Christian authors, K. Arthur, Lisa Turkarest, 
Beth Moore, Billy Graham, Robert Schuller, Harold, Harold Kushner, and a multitude of others. As a counselor, I cannot tell you how many books on the same topic there are for children. Does that mean all these self-help books are bad? No. No. It just means that even as Christians, we question whether or not God is in all areas and all aspects of our lives. We have blinders on. To see a God sighting, we must be on the lookout in every aspect of our lives, or we miss the beautiful things God has given us. There is a song that I love, absolutely love this song, by Matthew West. It's, the chorus says, and I'm not going to sing it, I don't want to miss it. I don't want to look back someday and find everything that really mattered was right in front of me this whole time. Open up my eyes, Lord. Keep me in the moment, just like this, before the beautiful things we love become the beautiful things we miss. I don't want to be that person that misses all the beauty around me. And I know you don't either. When we are consumed by grief or despair, frustration, hopelessness, it all comes from our inability to see the light in the middle of our darkness. It's like we're sitting in the abyss of darkness and there's a little light out there, but we can't look up to see it. We live in that spot. We have to change where we look. It's we have to train ourselves to seek, hunt, search, and thrive for God's sightings. We can revel in them daily. I guarantee you, if you look out your window, if you get out of bed, there are God sightings. Rejoice in the beautiful things of the world. So let me explain what a God sighting is. But first, I want to tell you, as I was reading some of these books, preparing for today's message, I had read from several pastors the reasons they don't do God sightings in their church. I am tired of it becoming a time to ask for prayers. That's what welcome cards, texts, emails, and telephones are for. Wow. It's not a chance to complain about the circumstances or mishaps of the week, and that's what they do. That's what phone, mail, phone email, and fellowship is for. I also read one that said, it's not an opportunity to preach about the sin of others. That's gossip. No one here wants to spread or perpetuate gossip. Harsh reasons to quit doing God sightings. But at Sawgrass Community Church, we do God sightings. Do you know why we do God sightings? It's our opportunity to share with others how we saw God that day, even if it was in the midst of our junk. It is our chance to remind others where you saw God during the past week. And it is our time to encourage, uplift, and confirm each other and how we see God is moving in our lives. I have to read them because I don't remember what I wrote. (laughs) It is an opportunity to show those around us who do not know God 
who God is. And it is our chance to make a difference in someone else's life so they can stay strong in their faith. A God sighting always points us to God, not to the people, not to the things we've done, not to what we've heard, but it always points back to God. It always gives God the glory. That is so cool. So we're not going to stop doing God sightings here at Sawgrass. Because here, we want to bolster one another. We want to remind each other that even though I had a horrible, very bad, no good day, I saw God. Even though I couldn't get out of bed and I was sick as a dog, it didn't matter. I saw God. Even though I wrote my own sermon that had nothing to do with God, It didn't matter that my computer crashed several times and I lost the documents because you know what? It was God. It was so that I could say, okay, God, I needed to see you again. I got lost in myself and I needed to get lost in you. That's what God's sightings are. So for the churches that stopped doing them, I'm sorry for them. But here at Sawgrass, We want you to remember. We want you to remind us that you see God in so many things, in so many ways, even when you're having a tough day, even when things aren't going right, you still see God. So we're going to listen to a video, but before we do that, as you leave today, I need you to stop back by the back. Um, You'll be given three things. A notebook, a pen, and a shiny penny. I want you to put the penny in your wallet. I want it to look at you, when you look at it, I want you to say, I remember that. I remember that joy when I saw that when I saw my kids with an Easter egg, or when I was a kid and I found that Easter egg. And the pen and the notebook, just write down your God sightings. Some of you might fill the book in a day. Some of you, it's it's not a contest to see who can fill it first. Some of you might take a month two months, three months. It doesn't matter. It's your book, your God sightings. It's to remind you that even when life is tough, even when you can't see how to pay the bills, even when you can't drive your car because you can't feel your legs, even when you are sick, God is in the midst and he's got something for you. Write it down. Now, if you want to bring your book back in two weeks, don't bring it next week because we have a special um, gentleman coming, David, the flute, that flute guy. But if you want to bring your book back and share one or two of your God sightings, please do. God sightings are not meant to be kept and just, I'm not going to tell anybody. I don't want to share any, with anybody. They're meant to be shared so we can all see God like you saw God. And just because, you know, I'm a big proponent of journaling, it's a great way to start journaling. (laughs) Write down your God sightings. That's a great way to start. It won't kill you, I promise. And if it does, 
I'll be more than happy to do your memorial service. <laughs> Who knows? Maybe someday your God citing book will be on the Christian bestseller list, and I'll be the first one to buy it. I promise you, I will buy it because I want to see where God is showing you him. I want to see where he says, look, I showed up and you saw me. Heavenly Father, we just love you. We thank you for the sightings you give us about you, sightings that we can know that we know that we know they are of you. Thank you, Father, just for getting us up out of bed, giving us breath to start our day, and reminding us that you are still on the throne. God, I just ask you to to bless each family here. Remind them in the little ways that you have so beautifully done that you are caring for them. They don't have to doubt your existence. They don't have to doubt your power, your mercy, your grace, or your love because you prove it over and over and over again all throughout our day. We thank you for that, God. We honor you. We praise you. We just love you.